Welcome to Blind Squirrel Macro the Pod. Squirrel here on the morning of Tuesday the 28th of November, Melbourne time, where we are apparently seeing zero signs of the hot and dry weather that's supposed to accompany the conventional El Nino down under. It's completely the opposite here. Anyway, this podcast is our usual companion to the weekly newsletter, which you can find for free at blindsquirrelmacro.com. The letter contains graphics, charts and links that I might refer to in the pod. Please try and take a look this week in particular, as I put together quite a few interesting tables which would benefit from closer study. The note also contains our portfolio updates and a review of our Acorn trade ideas for our paid subscribers. As ever, I still haven't managed to master audio editing software and so record this in a single take, so please forgive any stumbles. But before we start, again our usual message from legal. Everything in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is categorically not investment advice. Before making any investment decisions, for heaven's sake, don't listen to a cartoon rodent. Talk to a financial advisor. Now, some headlines hit last week saying that City, where your favourite rodent worked for many years, was planning to break into the private credit markets in an attempt to reclaim territory from the shadow banking world. Now, regular readers will be aware that I'm somewhat sceptical about the breathless coverage being given to the exponential growth of private credit markets. As you can imagine, I nearly choked on my Vegemite toast when I saw this headline from Bloomberg. City is in talks to start new private credit strategy by early 2024. Effort would complement existing leveraged finance business, may include pairing with outside partner that would fund loans. Now, I'm going to spare you the snark about the shock horror of seeing a commercial bank enter the business of making loans. There's plenty of that on Twitter, and FT Alphavel wrote a brutal piece which I do not condone on the subject of my old friends. We all know that the long-term warehousing of sub-investment grade corporate credit risk has not been a core activity for the big banks for years. Frankly, City was going off the idea well ahead of the 0809 financial crisis when I was there. We appear, appear to have got to a stage in the private credit hype cycle when City, one of the leading players in global buyout financing, is tacitly acknowledging that the public bond and loan market simply cannot compete with the terms on offer from the private credit arms of big PE. Now, this doesn't sound healthy to me at all. From the same Bloomberg article, I quote, The push follows similar moves this year by Wells Fargo, Barclays and Socgen to break into the fast-growing market for private debt, where risky borrowers bypass the high-yield bond and leverage loan markets to get financing. In a comment that frankly should send a shiver down the spine of every single bank regulator around the world, a person, quote, with knowledge of the matter, was cited saying, City may or may not use its balance sheet to win deals. Now, the prospect of a GSIP, or globally system- Global Systematically Important Bank, getting stuck warehousing some arguably mispriced private credit deals of the future could lead to some very embarrassing distress sales in the secondary market when panicky risk managers start tapping debt capital markets' senior leadership on the shoulder. But I guess it's only human that City and the other commercial investment banks entering entering the private credit business are trying to protect their home turf. I noted in Apollo's latest results presentation that they've now set up or acquired no less than 16 in-house loan originators within their group. 
does this not have echoes of the pre-financial crisis time when the likes of Citi and Merrill Lynch were busily snapping up mortgage originators to feed their securitization habits? We've now entered a topsy-turvy world in which private lenders are growing in-house credit origination platforms while traditional investment bank intermediaries try to stay relevant as their home markets are subsumed by the shadow banks. What on earth could possibly go wrong? Now, I'd only just cleared up the toast crumbs from the carpet when I stumbled across another headline. This one's a complete drawjopper. Private letters provide a record 4.5 billion euros for Adavinta LBO. CPPIB, Blackstone and GIC among the top tier lenders. Unitranche tops $4.8 billion loan for software maker Finastra. And then a gem of an inset. But the proposal from banks was less appealing in part because they weren't keen to offer a package entirely denominated in euros due to, quote, the weakened state of the leveraged European leverage loan market. Now, normal forces, market forces, and seemingly need not apply to the world of private asset financing. Here we had the sponsors of the Adavinter LBO effectively acknowledging the lack of debt market capacity for their deal and then promptly providing that capacity themselves. It looks as though a Blackstone-led syndicate of private lenders is going to swallow the entire 4.8 billion euro deal at a credit spread barely 145 basis points wider than the European high yield benchmark and 150 basis points tighter than the cited comparable transaction, the recent jumbo software LBO out of the US for Finastra. To put in another way, Credit investors in European high-yield markets currently, on average, earn a spread over risk-free rates of about 4.3%. Remember that this is for bonds that trade freely in the market with a price and daily liquidity. Now, Blackstone's lucky private credit LPs are going to receive a pickup of less than 1.5% over that level on this Adavinta debt package, and that is before the deduction of Blackstone's management and performance fees, which I suspect will eat up more than half of that margin uplift. In return for this very modest net sp spread premium of, call it 0.8%, these LPs are locked into a private credit agreement until the earlier of maturity, few, or a credit event, ouch, in a deal led by Blackstone, which also happens to be leading the equity component of the same buyout. So what is this Adavinta business? It must be very special. Well, it's not really. It's basically an online classified advertising business. Think home listings, cars and jobs. So, okay, what, what usually happens to this type of consumer-sensitive business at the first whiff of an economic downturn? Yeah, that was my thought. And it's not as though the company is going into the downturn in a position of rude financial health. Adavinta has not made a full year, fiscal year, net profit in its short life as a public company. Okay, I get that the most recent net loss was largely a function of a large 1.7 billion euro goodwill write-down. But amazingly, the company did manage to deliver maiden profits just in time for its IPO prospectus in 2019 and then got back into its usual loss-making ways. It is funny how pre-IPO companies managed to do that. What a surprise. Though I suspect that, charitably, COVID had a little bit to do with the relapse this time. To make matters worse, this 4.5 billion euro debt package, not including the 250 million euro revolver, 
will boost the amount of debt being supported by the company's 496 million euros of EBITDA by a casual, checks his notes, 227%. The annual interest rate bill on the base amount of debt pre-revolver will be 425 million euros, i.e. 86% of Adavinta's trailing 12 months cash flow. There is literally zero margin for execution error. According to Apollo's latest credit data, interest coverage for the public high-yield universe has just fallen back to an EBITDA over interest expense multiple of just over four times. Now, analyst consensus EBITDA for Avinta, Adavinta is currently 657 million euros for calendar year 23 and 779 million euros for calendar year 24. It's not until 2026, per the probably over-optimistic consensus analyst forecast that Adavinta's forecast interest cover multiple gets to two times its earnings before interest tax and depreciation. Frankly, it's tough not to view this entire deal as not much more than a gargantuan Hail Mary bet on falling interest rates, with a side order of hope that a future refinancing might come at a lower credit spread than four and three quarters percent over risk-free rates. Now, if falling interest rates is your bet, there are far more liquid and convex ways to take that view in the short-term short -term interest rate futures market. Frankly, if I was a lender in that group, I would very much want a proper seat at the table in the event of any potential restructuring. Not waiting by the phone while Blackstone, the owner, sits in a smoke-filled room with Blackstone, the lead lender. Now, Pamira and Blackstone's bid has been accepted by the Adavinta majority shareholders, Shipstead and eBay. eBay sold its classified advertising business to Adavinta in a part cash, part stock deal back in 2020. Christmas just came early for them. By my numbers, the Blackstone Pamira bid values Adavinta at 21 times 2023 EV EBITDA and 18 times 2024. That's pretty punchy, certainly too rich for this rodent. The company's board of directors staggeringly felt unable to immediately and wholeheartedly recommend to Adavinta's minority shareholders the 115 krona per share offer, a 54% premium to the pre-bid share price. The financial press is being persuaded by the PR firms that the big PE barons are potentially getting some kind of Black Friday bargain. But I suspect that in the heart of the hearts of those independent board members, that targeted Q2 2024 completion date cannot come a day too soon. To be honest, and on a personal note, having spent 25 years in the trenches as a sell-side deal junkie in my past, I'm getting a bit of PTSD from reading about this deal. This type of transaction has all the hallmarks of the existential desperation for relevance that bankers on both the buy and the sell side feel during extended periods of deal drought. I remember very much how it felt. It's horrible. To be clear, there is absolutely no schadenfreude here. In addition to the direct participation by CPPIB and GIC, the two big Canadian and Singaporean wealth funds, who at least won't have to pay Blackstone's performance fees, the credit deal was also joined by a whole laundry list of other asset managers seeking to justify the existence of their newly raised private lending vehicles. If the deal markets carry on looking like this, I'm going to feel even worse than I already did about the return outlooks for the 2023-24 vintage of private equity and credit funds. 
I remember through gritted teeth, frankly, the times when my own public equity capital markets colleagues were forced to thanklessly get involved in private growth equity investment rounds for companies in order to stay close to the private equity sponsors and issuers while the, while the IPO market remained stubbornly and stone cold shut. Now, perhaps City's leveraged finance teams are playing a very clever long game here, seeking to stay relevant such that they're still around the hoop when markets, or regulators, but don't hold your breath on that, determine that corporate financing terms should once again be determined by normal Darwinian forces rather than by the Alice in Wonderland-esque volatility laudanate norms of the current private financing markets. It was great to hear capital allocators Ted Sides himself being interviewed last week. Ted started his career working for the late great David Swenson of Yale Endowment fame. Listening to Ted, I got the clear impression that Swenson, who was in many ways the founding father of mainstream alternatives investing, would not have made any sense whatsoever of the current hype around private asset markets. He regarded illiquidity as, I quote, the unfortunate cousin of diversification. The game has certainly changed from the late 1980s, early 1990s. So much for diversification these days. All the allocators are seemingly crowded into the same trades, and in the opinion of this squirrel, these trades are almost certainly printing at the wrong price. Well, that's all this for this week on the pod. Um, this week's portfolio update and Acorn review for paid subscribers covers how to trade on this Adavinta news, as well as uranium, ags, energy, offshore, gold miners, the Aussie dollar, China, India, and Argentina. Please find out more about the squirrel at blindsquirrelmacro.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at squirrelmacro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Squirrel out.